This sermon was recorded at Grace City Church's Sunday morning service. Thanks for engaging with us online, and we pray that this sermon greatly encourages your faith and walk with God. Um, I've got a few friends visiting today to keep me in check that I don't um, step out of line. But I'm very excited to share with you this morning, and I really believe God's given me something. And after that worship, it's really just been a confirmation that... um, that this is the right thing for today. In the car, um, when I was praying before I came in, I felt two things, holy ground and fire. And that's come through in the worship today and in the words, and that's super encouraging. So let's jump right in, I'm excited. Um, Hope I don't offend too many people, but um, if I do, just speak to Mark. Um, But yeah, I really believe that Jesus got something for us and I really hope that we don't leave here the same. So Jesus uh, took his disciples on a long walk. Um, Yeah, it's gonna come up here, the long walk from the Sea of Galilee to um, a a village called Caesarea Philippi. Now, that's a Google map of today. It's it's quite green, but there is quite a lot of uh, rocky terrain. um, And yeah, it's not not the most comfortable walk, if we put it like that. So Mark 8 says, turn with me to your Bibles, if you've got one. If you don't, again, speak to Mark at the end of the service, and he will go buy you one. Jesus says to his disciples, uh, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. So the disciples, I don't know if you know in that time, they weren't wearing Adidas shoes and hockers and all these nice things to walk, but Jesus decided to take them on a 40-kilometer walk in the heat, when they are tired, for a purpose. Now, I've done the Palm Beach to Manly Walk. It's called the Bloody Long Walk, B-L-O-O-D-Y. And after I did that Bloody Long Walk, I felt like it needed some profanities in the title as well because it is so horrendous (laughs) that I'll never do it again. So I can't imagine what his disciples were thinking when they were like, oh, let's just, you know, go for a... A stroll. So he took them for a 40 kilometer walk, which was about 10 to 14 hours, depending if they stopped for, you know, a snack. They were probably tired, they were wearing their sandals or maybe barefoot. But God had a purpose for him there. He had a purpose to take them from Galilee to Caesarea Philippi. What was that purpose? So we get to Caesarea Philippi. There it is, there's a a, a picture of it. It's on the foothills of Mount Hermon, Caesarea Philippi, in the Northern Territory of Israel. Who's been to Israel? There we go, Pat. Okay, so you can correct me if I'm wrong with all of this. Caesarea Philippi was at the time a town of pagan worship, immoral activities. There were temples there. It wasn't a very wholesome place. The city today is known as Banias, and it used to be previously known, it's changed names a few times, from Panias. The Greek, Panias is, um, was named after the Greek god Pan. Now, um, you know, they loved their, their Greek gods in that time. And I'll just describe the god of Pan to you. He was, 
half human and half goat. Now, if you get any nightmares tonight, I'm sorry. But <laughs> Pan had legs like a fawn and big round horns. He also had a human face and a human torso. And he was the god that's like was the god of nature and all of that funny stuff that comes with it, but also the god of fertility. Um, at the bottom of the cliff, there's a number of temples there, but you can see on the left-hand side there's a cave, and that was known as the Cave of Pan. That cave is also known as the gateway to the underworld, and as we know, it's the Gates of Hades. So that's where the name the Gates of Hades comes from. Inside that cave, there's a bottomless pit that was filled with water, and there was a stream or a river that ran out of that cave, and in that stream or river, they used to do human sacrifice. If you, were, um, if you were convicted of a crime, they would throw you in the river and the force of the river would actually, you know, kill you as, you were spat, as the river spat you out the cave. And then in spring, it was known as the river of fertility. And so all sorts of debauchery and unexplicable things also happened in there. But I won't go into all that. And this isn't a place that you want to hang out with your mother-in-law or your girlfriend. or It's just a bit dirty. And I've been to um, uh, Holland and um, the Red Light District. And to me, that's the closest I've come to something that's like that. This was a lot worse. Um, and then the second pick for those that are interested, um, it's going to come up, is... This is what um, the gates of Hades is not coming up. Huh? Oh no, it's really pretty now. Um, that's a pity. The, the cave actually is, is covered in um, beautiful greenery and um, it's actually quite a beautiful tourist place to go and visit now. But a couple of centuries ago, there was an earthquake underground that actually changed the course of the river the river now flow, flows from under the cave and out and into the River Jordan. Um, so we go on from there. Are our slides working? All right, so... Sorry, I have too many pages here. So now you know all about Caesarea Philippi. <laughs> Back to Jesus. All right. On the way, Jesus asks his disciples... Who do you say I am? Basically, Jesus is asking his disciples, oh, what is the word on the street? Like, what's the local community saying about me? I mean, people are seeing me doing all sorts of stuff. They're seeing me teach. But, um, you know, what is the gossip? What are you hearing around the dinner table? And basically, the disciples replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. <coughs> So Matthew's account says some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say um, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. The truth is the people and the local community actually didn't know exactly who Jesus was. They were still, still trying to like figure him out, like who's this dude? You know, he's walking around, he's teaching us, he's claiming to be um, all sorts of things that didn't sit, you know, correct with them. Like who was he? And then Mark 8, 26 says, 29 says, but what about you, Jesus asks. 
What about you? Church, this is a turning point in Jesus' ministry and in the gospel records. As the saying goes, life as we know it will never be the same. Like he says to them, like, what about you? Who do you say I am? I mean, that's quite a heavy question. And it's the million dollar question that Jesus is going to ask us. Suddenly he gets very up close and personal, man to man, you know, I mean, man to man, and they're getting very vulnerable. Who do you say I am? After 12 to 18 months of walking with Jesus and building a friendship around him, they would have formed an opinion of who he was, and now he actually wants to know what it is. Three points, church, for you to consider with this question, who do you say I am? And I do hope the points come up. Are we, are we okay? <laughs> it's all right. How you answer this question is the most important foundation of your faith. Who you say I am is how you answer this question is the most important and critical foundation of your faith. How you answer this question will have a direct impact on how you believe God sees you and how um, your relationship in response to him unfolds. How you answer this question will have a direct effect on how you believe God sees you, each of you, in your hearts, warts and all, and your relationship in response to him. And lastly, how you answer this question, who do you say I am, will have a direct impact on how you live your life and the decisions you make. How you answer this question, who do you say I am, will have a direct impact on how you live your life and the decisions you make. I'm going to share a story of a girl that I knew. Can I have a sip of water, actually? You guys are intimidating. In 1997, there were two young guys, late teens, praying one day, and they felt God say to them, I want you to go to this place, the Caesarea Philippi, and I'm going to lead you to somebody, and their life will be forever changed. So these two guys obeyed, and they went to this uh, nightclub slash a pool bar, felt very out of place, but they just loitered around outside like vagrants, you know, trying to catch the stragglers that were hot and bothered inside, and they were talking to people, and after a long night, they actually hadn't had that impact that they felt God had brought them there for. And so they went and sat down on a pavement in the corner, a bit deflated, feet in the gutter. And the next minute they heard somebody next to them say, geez, look at that nice necklace. Where did you get it from? And this guy turned to this girl and said, oh, huh, introduced themselves, uh, conversation endured. And they ended up sharing the gospel with her and they invited her to church. And... Um, on the Sunday, they picked her up, took her to church, and over the following weeks, there was an exchange of a friendship being built, a relationship, questions being asked. There was church visits, there was home group visits, and just so much exploration. 
And then about six, seven weeks later, while this girl was walking home from school, she felt God say, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Without any bands playing, without any one Bible bashing her, just a whisper in her ear, who do you say I am? And that girl was me. I'll tell you a little bit about my history here. I grew up in a broken home. My father, we had a very good relationship, but my father was an alcoholic. He was a grand high master in the Freemason movement. He wasn't a bad person. He was just absent. He was married five times. My mom was number five, and then there was a number six, but he never married her. And that was sort of my father figure. We, we, have a very, we had a very good relationship and, um, until he passed away. So I didn't hold any of that against him, but that was the truth. My mom, on the other hand, she had um, grown up in a home where her father returned from World War II with post-traumatic stress disorder and we believe quite severe psychosis. And I think that really shaped her childhood and into adulthood. She, um, she lived with us for the last 10 years of her life. Um, very funny lady, but very difficult too. <laughs> Shame, we love my mom very much. But she wasn't an easy person to be around. And all the insecurities that she grew up with were kind of you know, thrust upon me as an only child. I had an unnatural irrational fear of death growing up that would paralyze me for days on end. And just, I didn't know what was coming. We went through, you know, uh, what was that event where Jesus was meant to be coming back? Um, at the millennium? Are you there? Um, just before that, there was another evil prophecy about Jesus coming back, that I had no church background, so I, I couldn't understand it, and I feared for what the afterlife was going to be. And I struggled in school, severely struggled in school, um, to the point in grade three, they, they, they kept me back a year, but they also said to my mom that I needed to go to a real special needs school because I couldn't read. And after my mother passed away, I found the letters from the schools to her about my dyslexia, my inability to concentrate, my um, severe anxiety, all these things I didn't know I had <laughs> because I was just me. And it was very confronting, actually, to think, flip, was all of this going on in the background? And I, I didn't know about it. But that was who I was growing up as. Just a little bit lost, never been to church before, never heard a, a Sunday school teaching, knew nothing of the Old Testament stories. I was green, green, green. And in an instant, on that road, and I call it my Damascus Road experienced, the veil lifted when Jesus said, who do you say I am? And when I got home that day, I felt God leading me to the first scripture that he's ever led me to, 
as a born-again Christian. In Proverbs 3.1, it says, My son or daughter, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness, love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I was on a very windy path at that point and suddenly the veil lifted and I could never be the same. I could never be the same. So let's go back to Jesus here. Are you all right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no one's sleeping yet. <laughs> okay. And if you see the person sleeping next to you, just give them an elbow and the ribs. So back to Jesus. Mark 8, 29 says, But what about you? Who do you say I am? Um, the million-dollar question. And Peter, the spokesperson for the group, the fisherman, and I'm an avid fisherman, although I catch nothing, but I do fish. He boldly answers without any hesitation, you are the Christ, you are the Christ. And in Matthew says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And in other translations, it says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, the deliverer. It was just flowing out of him, guys. You are the Christ, without any hesitation. And then he adds the son of the living God. Maybe he added that because they were standing in a place where there were so many false gods around them in Caesarea Philippi. But he declared, you are the Christ, our deliverer, the son of the living God. What does this question, who do you say I am, require from you and me? What does it require? Because we cannot, we cannot not have a response. So band, yeah band, would you come up and just as we close. Church, the most important thing about you is your vision of who Jesus is. Because everything in your life is determined by that answer. The most important thing about you is your vision of who Jesus is. A.W. Tozer, the author writes, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of him. What is our mental image? Because our souls are moving towards that. He's gonna play. I just felt for those that you might be in a dark place right now, um, like, like Caesarea Philippa, in your spiritual life, your personal life, or even your, in, your, in your professional life right now, where you just, it doesn't feel right. And we all have some sort of exposure to Caesarea Philippa in our daily lives on the northern beaches, where we are surrounded by different forms of idol worship. It might even be our smartphones, it might be social media, it might be our possessions, but those are the 
the main God in our lives, and we give very little space for the real, true, living God. You can fill in those blanks. I don't know what that means for you, but I really believe that we can all identify with this in some way, shape, or form. A time will come when Jesus will ask you that question, if he hasn't already, and he might whisper it in your ear again and again on your journey, who do you say I am? And you might be walking in the valley of the shadow of death right now, and you don't see a way out, and Jesus is whispering, who do you say I am? For myself, I've walked through chronic health issues, the loss of my parents, disillusionment, frustration. I've overcome a lot, but there's been moments of real darkness where I felt alone, and in those moments, I've felt God say, who do you say I am? And I cannot deny what happened on the 26th of November, 1997, 27 years ago, when I answered, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Who do you say I am? Church, he's whispering it to us today. What is your answer going to be? Thank you for listening to this sermon. To engage with Grace City Church further, please check out our website, gracecitychurch.net, where you can find links to our socials. Or come visit us in person. All are welcome. God bless.